Well, what an exciting night it is to be here at One Heart, or Heartbeat, One Heart, whatever it is that we're at tonight. So, great worship tonight. I think we really broke through in something there, and uh, I know that we are entering into new territory as a church. I always like to start these nights with my quotable quotes. I love my quotes. Can we have them there? Here's one I saw from the Word for today this week. Silence can be misunderstood, but it can never be misquoted. That's awesome. Uh, The voices in our life determine the choices in our life. Brian Houston, church is the kingdom of God manifest on planet earth. It is the gateway to heaven. Your commitment to being an integral part of the church should never change no matter what expression church must take. That's from Steve Penny. So I love those kind of things. I get inspired by words of wisdom like that. They're modern day uh, psalms, I'd say. Well, who's ready for the word of God tonight? That's good because I am ready to bring it. And uh, yeah, I just do want to say from my, uh, my own perspective, I really do thank the church for allowing me to be able to fulfill the role I do in the state. And I never knew it until I was in this role that how messed up churches can get. And uh, it is amazing getting around and um, you know, being the referee in church brawls. It's really quite interesting. But you know, we don't want to have any of that stuff here, do we? We don't do that here? No. We're Christians. So I guess we've all been through this year in in various ways, a very challenging year, and it has changed everything about the world in which we knew and the way in which we do things. And uh, just today we were considering, we're we're having next week off to go to Brisbane to see Carmel, and even to do that we need to have a special uh, permit to get to Queensland. So the world has changed dramatically to what we have ever been used to. But I think the church is also going to be changing dramatically to be uh, one step ahead of what the world's doing. And, and I've got to say, our church has grown since COVID, since they stopped us having church and then we've came back. We're actually bigger. The last, say, six weeks, we've broken all records previously for, for Sunday attendance. It's just been amazing. So, you know, God knows what he's doing here. So um, last week, uh, and the other thing too is God is really doing things in people's lives. I've seen you know uh, people's lives really changing much you know for the better, for much much better in their future. So I, I want to honour God for what He's doing right there. But um, we've also seen things, uh, uh, opportunities into the community. We have the uh, the Brave Awards in the high school. That was an idea that Pastor Pauline had. And I think Kyle is is going to be presenting that. Is it next week? So somewhere, somewhere soon, uh, and that's something where we invest into our community that, that uh, recognises and honours students who have uh, pushed through a difficult season, pushed through a difficult, difficult year at school, and uh, we want to be um, sowing into those areas because what we sow into is where we're going to get a harvest from. So I believe we're going to see that over time. So um, the food bank has been going well here every fortnight. They'll be here this week. And I want to encourage you, why don't you become a volunteer at Food Bank? It's uh, every second Thursday, it'll be here this week. And uh, we start at about 11, so be here at about quarter to 11, help set up. And they go right on the knocker at 2. So they don't hang around, they're just like, got to go. So, uh, but it is really, really good that we as a church have been sowing every month probably around about $400 to help people get food who are struggling in our community. And, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to be that so that um, uh, people in the community start to say, that's a great church. And 
we've got volunteers who do food bank who aren't from this church and there's another connection point for them to be in this place, to get to know me, get to know our, our, our building and facility and I believe they're the kind of connections we need to make that make a difference in our city. So also just want to say a big shout out to BJ. He gets around via the prison stuff, um, preaches in other churches on a regular basis and, and again that's just taking one heart to other places and so it's, it's influencing others. So that's just awesome to be part of and we're going to see more and more of that happening in the life of our church. So I just want to begin my message tonight um, and always encourage us that, that as a church we want to be led by revelation, uh, by the Holy Spirit, be led by what God is speaking, not by good ideas, not what book I've just read, but by revelation from God. So our next season I believe is a revelation from God. I'm going to share that this morning. Uh, this, this morning, I keep thinking it's morning, but I'm going to share that tonight. And uh, and I really think it, it is important that we recognise our direction comes from God, and um, we should be unified in that direction. So I want to speak to you tonight as leaders, as mature believers. So no matter what it is you do in the church, I'm, I'm speaking uh, with the assumption that you are a leader or a mature believer. So. Just going back a bit, last week I was in the southeast to help with uh, bushfire recovery down there and um, getting there, I was relying on my maps on my phone and the youth heard this on Sunday night, but I was using the, the, the maps on my phone and, and Pauline got one of these, you know, like a GPS thing in the car and I said, hey, you don't need that, your phone has it all. Well, I got down to Kingston and that was okay, this thing's talking to me the whole way and uh, I, I was 10Ks out of Kingston on my way to this property and the phone doesn't work anymore. There's no signal. There's nothing. Maps don't work. Nothing works. And so what I was relying on let me down. But the, the crazy thing was the lady in maps still kept talking. Like she still keeps talking. She's, she's still talking to me. So that, that was really nice of her. But finally she, she said, arrived. And, and I'll tell you where I was. I was at the back entrance to Water Valley Station. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a huge station. Apparently it's the size of Belgium however big that is, but, but I'm at the back entrance and, and I saw this sign, Water Valley, and I'm like, I, I've heard of this place and I drove in the driveway and then drove a little bit further and there was another sign that said Water Valley and, and, she, and, and she tells me, arrived. And I'm thinking, I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm not where I should be right now. And, and realistically, I ended up going 90 kilometres the, the round trip to get to where I wanted to be, where I was supposed to be. I wasn't lost, I just didn't know where I was. <laughs> but, but what I just want to use that illustration to you tonight is when we allow ourselves to get disconnected from the, 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 the direction from God, when we have something interfering with our connection to God, then we, start to re, we, we can't rely on the things that we used to rely on and we start to find ourselves in the wrong place. So um, that comforting voice arrived isn't true. No, you can't stop here. So I could have said, oh, I've arrived, so I'll just stay here and wait until someone finds me. But I didn't want to stay there all by myself until someone finds me. We've got to get back to Jesus, get back to the Word, back to prayer, and back to church. So I don't know where you're at this, you know, this evening. I was going to say morning again. But wherever you're at this evening, I want to really, really challenge you. It's not encouraging. This is a challenge. This is a kick in the pants sometimes that we've got to say, where, where am I right now on that journey of life? Have I got disconnected from that, uh, from that GPS that comes from Jesus? 
So you, you've got to ask these things. And uh, even if you're involved, sometimes we can just be stuck in doing the things we've always done and find ourselves in a place where we, we're not supposed to be, but we just are. So you've got to move out of that place. So One Heart Church, we're in very important days. And we must follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, not the voice that is telling us you've arrived. So don't, don't listen to that voice. Listen to the voice of God. Now, it's not taking us into a burden, not taking us into bondage or anything like that. It's something that we, that we can carry, that we should carry. It's a call of God that leads us to where God intends us to be. And I just want to say before I go on, um, I want to honour Jeff and Sue uh, being here from Alliston tonight. I want to honour your commitment and your uh, being here with us tonight. And uh, it's just so good that um, it was from their initiation that we went to Alliston, that we uh, started what we, what we have started there. And it's just so amazing, that the season that we're in now, looking at the building, the purchase agreement, all those sorts of things. And... Uh, as Pastor Kylie said, it is so amazing that we're able to do this next renovation here and purchase that building if we pace it out well without having to go to the bank and borrow a cent. That is a miracle. And also, I just want to say, also, I just want to say, because I've just been looking through old files, this church has never, ever, ever in its history been more financially blessed than it is right now. Never. So, you just got to say, if, you, if, you, if you're down in the dump, say, hang on, God's doing something good here. God's doing something amazing right here. God's doing miracles right now here. Because I, I can tell you exactly 10 years ago when I started, the church was in overdraft. The church was struggling. The church had no money and they didn't tell me until I started. Well, <laughs> this is what they said. Mark, Mark Hillier said to me, well, you know the offer we, we showed you? Well, we, we're going to believe that we're going to be able to pay you. And I'm like, what? What? I wouldn't have come. Anyway, let's get to something more serious here. <clears throat> when sin first entangled mankind, entangled Adam, God came with a question. Genesis 3 verse 9, if you're taking notes, God asked Adam, where are you? And it's a very important question to be asking of ourselves, or asking us as a church, where are you? Now, I know I was asking myself that last Monday night, where am I? And it didn't help to have a voice saying, arrived, because I knew I hadn't arrived. I knew I wasn't where I wanted to be. I knew I wasn't where I should be. And that's a, a very important question that God is asking One Heart Church right now that we need to analyze personally for ourselves is where are you? So there is a call and a purpose of God beside your name. Call and uh, call. And purpose of God upon Geordie Smith. There's a call and purpose of God against Kyle. There's a call and purpose of God against Josie and Tracy. Even, it's all about you tonight, Tracy. But there is a call and purpose of God beside your name. And what I want you to say is, is consider your name, who you are, and where am I? And that's a question that God is asking us. So Abraham, uh, Genesis 22, verses 1 and 11 um, you know, at the call of God, he, he says, here I am. And uh, Jacob, another, another one, God's calling out to Jacob, and he says, here I am. Uh, Moses, at the burning bush, another, another thing, God starts to call out to Moses, and he says, here I am. And uh, uh, Samuel, we all know the story where Samuel's in the tabernacle, living there with Eli, the crooked priest, and he hears a, a voice of God calling his name at night, and he answers, here I am. 
Then Isaiah, maybe the most famous of these scriptures about here I am, Lord. He says, when God starts to call Isaiah, he says, here I am. And he, and he also adds to it and says, send me. Whereas Moses, when God was calling Moses, he said, here I am, send someone else. You've made a mistake. I don't want to go. But God seeks after people who respond, here I am. So the call to great things in God is not complicated. It starts with here I am, when God starts to call our name. So choose to be a a here I am person, a here I am people who respond to God the right way. So where are you right now? Be in the place where God can easily find you. God seeks those who seek him and not hide from him. So when God first called that question to Adam, Adam was hiding from God. Adam was trying to stay away from God. But we don't want to be that kind of person. We want to be in the place that is accessible to God in our life. So it it is an unhealthy spiritual state when God can't find you. And it's not that he can't find you, literally. It's that you don't want God to find you. You don't want to respond to God. You don't want God to have your number. So that's what we're talking about right now. So... God may find you behind the coffee cart or in the office or in toddlers or in life group somewhere, but have an attitude of here I am, God. You can do, I can do something for you. I can do something with you in my life. So I just want to you know, start with that as a little bit of a challenge. So we're going to drop, jump around a little bit here tonight. I just want to talk briefly then now on our vision projection, our next, if you like, our I'm going to start with our vision statement. It was read out a bit earlier or spoken out a bit earlier. You probably ought to know it. But it's to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. Again, that wasn't just come, didn't come to me because I was clever. That came by prayer and fasting, by seeking God, and by um, uh, hearing what God's voice was for us. So you, I think it's, it's good if every single person here gets a grip on, on a scripture verse or a, or a, a call of God director in your life that that can say well I know where I'm going because God's spoken to me through his word I encourage you to have that as a church corporately we we uh, have this vision statement it's not the be all and end all of everything but I think it is so it's it's literally one sentence but it's got so much in it it's fully loaded and often when we've had you know I guess directional things that we we need to look at and how we do things, we can look at that statement and go, well, that's not what a large church would do. That's not what a relevant church would do. So we need to, we use that to, um, to direct ourselves through our decisions. So back in June this year, I sensed God speaking to me through the word, through the Holy Spirit, because I don't want to say, and God spoke to me, because then, you know, if, if you speak like that as a pastor, then what you do is you have a lot of people who, who are running around saying, God spoke to me, God spoke to me, and you think, well, God, no, God didn't tell you to, to do a lot of stuff, you, it's your imagination, so I'm not, I'm not denying that God speaks to us in different ways, but God spoke to me through the word for our next season, and, and I believe that it is for us to gear up to reach the lost. And I think, well, that's a bit strange. That's what every church should do. Yes, it is. But it's so often that every single person in the church forgets that that's what we're here for. So it's bringing us back to our core reason, our core purpose as a church. It's to gear up to reach the lost. So we've got to shift every other emphasis on what we do to why we do. So we've got to shift every other emphasis on on what we do to why we do. 
Why do we do this? Why do we have kids' church? Because we want to reach children with Jesus. Why do we do youth? Because we want to reach youth with Jesus. Why do we do Sunday services? It's so that we can reach people for Jesus. It's not so that we can annoy you with a smoke machine and the lights. That's No, it's because we want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. That's why we do it. And when we lose focus of, of the reason why, then we start thinking, well, it's because they're trying to annoy me, because they make the, the music too loud for me, or it's because they, they, all these other things, or the, you know, the chairs are too hard, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's not about that. It's because our focus is because we want to reach people for Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's what our, that's what our whole purpose has got, got to be about. So we've got to shift an emphasis on what we do to why we do. So the theme this year, it's come um, for, for our next season. I won't say year. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. It's all about the one. So in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So it's really important we know what our common goals are, what our common goal will be uh, in this season of life. So uh, when we all, all understand what, what we're aiming for corporately and double down on that, on that same thing, and we target it and we go for it, then I think church life is going to take on a whole new perspective, a whole new atmosphere, a whole new excitement in our in our personal lives as we start to uh, be the agents of God to see people come to know Jesus. Every single person here has that capacity to be the agent that can bring somebody. And what I believe is when we can bring people into the house of God, it's not the only place someone can get saved, but I tell you what, it is a huge, a huge place where people do get born again and saved. Uh, I think if you look at statistics beyond every other uh, evangelistic effort, Sunday service church is where more people get saved than anything else combined. It's, a, it's the biggest, most important place for people to come to know Jesus. So when we understand that that's what we're aiming for corporately, I believe we're going to see God do amazing things in people's lives. So this is all about the one who doesn't know Jesus. And I know people criticize things and, and you know, you, you read social media, there's, everyone's got an opinion about everything. They say you shouldn't have a sinner's prayer. That doesn't mean anything. You know what? It means something. So we do that because it means something. Because we think, oh, well, you know, our Christian world says, well, you know, that, that, that's not in the Bible. No, it's not. But you know what? We're helping people who don't know God at all. They find their way into the house of God because maybe they're looking, maybe they're not, but they're here and it's trying to help them understand what it is to be, to be a believer. So when we pray that prayer, that's helping the, the somebody, the one who knows nothing about God to find their way easily to him. That's what it's for. It's not to keep the church happy. It's not to be a theological sermon. It's to be, it is theologically correct. I've got scriptures for every part of that every part of that prayer, so it is, it is biblical, but what we need to understand is it's not to keep the church happy, it's to help someone who's got no foggy clue about how to find God, it, it, it's an initiation for them to get to know Jesus, and that's what, it, it bridges that gap, that's why we do that, so Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20, uh, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So we call that the Great Commission, uh, as it's often described, the Great Commission. You know something? It's the only commission Jesus gives us. 
It's the only commission Jesus left the disciples. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And uh, we should not be concerned about the world coming into the church. You know, some, t- some people, you know, I know it, I grew up in the church in the 80s and the 90s. And often when, when someone came into church, if, if we thought they didn't dress right, they didn't look right, they didn't smell right, it wouldn't take very long if someone would say, listen, mate, you better go home and get changed or you shouldn't be in church. Uh, or, or you just go home and have a shower. You know, that kind of stuff. You know what? The church shouldn't be concerned. One heart church, don't be concerned when the world comes into the church because the church, I mean, the world should be concerned when we go into the world. That's where the concern should be. That's where the concern should be. So go into all the world. It says to baptise. We're going to look at that. Baptise, the message never changes. There is life change when Jesus forgives people's sin. So we, we don't want to stray away from those things. We, you know, I don't think we want to be a church of, uh, uh, that, that um, we just do presentations. We want to have the presence of God. We want to have the power of God that changes people's lives. We want to desire uh, you know, um, those, those moments where God touches us where God interferes with our spirit in our heart and, and does something good in our lives that draws us out of ourselves and further closer to him. So anyway, baptize. That, that message of Jesus of, of dealing with sin never changes. That's why we always want to be baptizing people. And I, I hope and believe for a day where we're just so regularly baptizing people that it just becomes a, a, almost every week we're just baptizing and baptizing. I don't, I don't know why we... we, we shouldn't see that I think we should but the, the other part of that is also make disciples it's uh, to teaching people um, we're all learners we're all followers we all never stop being disciples so we need to continue on that journey uh, I really want to encourage people here tonight I don't know where you're thinking or what's what's going on in your world but but definitely there are people here who you need to do Bible college you need to follow the Lord into that level of discipleship because God has a much greater uh, purpose for your life than what you can currently do without college. So are you saved without college? Yes. Can you do lots of things in church without college? Absolutely. But there's some things that God is planning for your next season that is much bigger for you that you won't be able to do unless you've done college. And you know, I see there's going to be opportunities to plant churches, to, to start things all over the Air Peninsula, who knows what? But I tell you, we've just got to have people who are ready. So we can say, we, we've got people ready for this. Who, could, who have we got? Well, we could send 10 people because we're ready. It's not all about just, just uh, um, uh, holding, holding the fort in Port Lincoln. I want to kick down the doors everywhere on the Air Peninsula. I want to take the fight to the devil because there's a lot of people who are hurting and broken. You know, just today I was in an appointment with a secular you know, specialist. And he said, do you know that every minute around the world, a man commits suicide? Every minute, all over the globe, men are committing suicide. You know, we've got to, we've got to do something. And, and I know Air Peninsula has, has its fair share or unfair share of that stuff going on. I've done the funerals. I want to see us in those places. I want to see us making the difference. 
And, and if that means we have a, a Bible study or a church service or something in, those, in every town that we can get into, then let's do it. But you know what? It doesn't rely on me. It, it relies on everybody. So we've got to pray like we've never prayed. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to put our neck out like we've never put our neck out before. We've got to put, as they say, get some skin in the game. Start saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make the effort. You can rely on me. Is that a bad saying? No? It's all right. So we need to make disciples and we need to teach people. And we're all learners and we're all followers of Jesus. So reaching the one is important to Jesus. Baptizing the one is important to Jesus. Discipling the one is important to Jesus. And when we reach the one, we can change the world. Because we never know which one or what's in each one. And uh, we just have to be obedient to that, uh, that commission that God has given us. So just to explain that a little bit further, and then I want us to just look at some personal leadership things to finish off. So I've kind of broke it up into three parts tonight. But church has two main functions. The first one is to reach the lost. And, and that's always the first and the foremost is to reach the lost. So we need to keep reminding ourselves, why am I here? So it's a good thing. When you walk in these doors, maybe we should have a sign that says, why am I here? And then have another sign saying something, I don't know, I haven't thought of it yet, on the way out saying, why am I going? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but why am I here? It's to reach the lost. Why are we here? To reach the lost. Why do we do our Sunday services the way we do? It's to reach the lost. And the, the second thing is to disciple and support each other in our faith. That's why we're here. There's two reasons. Everything we do supports those two goals, or it ought to. So they are both equally important. Do you get that? They're equally important. It's not one over the other. You know, it's all evangelism. It's all about reaching the lost, but then we don't, we, you know, we don't teach anyone anything. We don't grow. We just get them saved, and then they stay there. That's it. Then what happens if you're a church like that? They stay for a little bit, then they go somewhere else where they get discipled, where they can grow, where they can develop. So we need to, we need to get people saved, and we need to see them grow. And we need to grow. We need to be committed to that growth because there's something that, that happens that often we get to a certain level and we go, oh, you know, the little, the little comforting voice says, arrived, arrived. And you think, oh, that'll do. That's like, I've arrived. No, I've not arrived. And if I've not arrived, then you've not arrived. So that, that's, a, that's a thing that I, I want to really challenge you with is where are you? In all this that I'm talking about tonight, where are you? We've not arrived. We've, we've got to um, continue stepping forward. We've got to stretch ourselves. We've got to um, develop those things that God is calling us to next. So evangelism without discipleship misses the mark. Discipleship without evangelism misses the mark. So we need to realize these things. So church structure and leadership roles are all gears that drive the church to be effective in those areas. So we need leadership. Uh, we, we need uh, people to step up into leadership roles because they're the gears that drive the church. So Ephesians 4 verse 12 says about leadership, um, the, the gifts that God's given the church. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So what's, our re what's my purpose as a pastor? All our leadership groups, they're to build up the church. So the business team is here to build up the church. The, the ministry team definitely is here to build up the church. Every department leader and, and church department is here to build up the church. So our role is equipping the saints to the task. That's equipping people to be effective for what God's calling them to do. So 
we want to be an equipped church so we can bring everyone to Jesus, everyone we can reach. So they could be your neighbor. They could be someone you work with. They could be your relatives. They could be your husband or wife. It could be yeah, anyone. But I really want us to be focused on the one next year. So I know when I was a youth pastor, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned about ministry was reading a book on youth leadership. And it said that um, what youth groups are like, and I believe church is the same, it's like a, 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 a container full of beads that are all just loose in a container. If you spill that container, beads will, will just go everywhere. And what the role of the youth pastor, a good youth pastor, is to thread all those loose beads together so that when that container is upset, that no one gets spilled out. And you know what's one of the great things in, in through the season we had of 12 weeks without being able to come together, we didn't lose too many. I must admit there's been some people who never came back. We lost a few that weren't threaded in enough. And we need to all have that focus. Who, who am I threading with? Who am I connecting to? So if my world gets upset, if I'm thrown out of the container, am I still connected back? And we need to know those things for ourselves because that's a question God is asking. Where are you right now? I keep bringing it back to that question. So I want to remind you of the most important part of this life is what we do for Jesus. Just If you didn't get that, I'll say it again. The most important part of this life is what we do for Jesus. That is the most important thing. So it's not your career. It's not your, it's not your salary. It's not the stuff that you gather. It's not the hobbies that you love. It's what you do for Jesus. So wherever you are, you're serving Jesus. So Jesus designed the church to be the vehicle of the Holy Spirit to engage the world. And we have a mandate from heaven for effective work. So I want to tell you, I'm not going to be a pastor who says, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that in the world. I want you to get into the world and upset the world. I want you to wreck the devil's plans for people. You get out there in your workplace. So you know, get involved in sport. Be Jesus to one. You don't, have to, you don't have to reach the whole team, but be Jesus to one out there. Get involved in a craft. Be Jesus to one. Get involved with your neighborhood. Be Jesus to one. And at one heart, we want to go for the others who don't know. We want to find those who don't know but want to know, who, want, who, who, who are seeking for someone to tell them about Jesus. So our services are to be geared for evangelism and discipleship. Our purpose is the one. So when I say our, our services are geared for evangelism and discipleship, we always want to teach good words, and we do. We've got some incredible teachers and preachers in our church. It's just amazing for, um, for where we are and who we are that we, we've got so many good preachers, we hardly even have to get a guest speaker. And sometimes I hear our guest speakers and I think, gee, yeah, we've got better preachers here. No, I don't. I'm only joking. But our services are geared for evangelism and discipleship. And so we have to avoid pride because pride is what wrecks churches. So a prideful person will speak like, oh, the teaching here is just not deep enough. You know what? Girl, just don't. If someone says that, you have my permission to, to give them a smack. <laughs> just say, no, that's naughty, naughty. So, because this is, this is the most stupid thing you could ever say. Paul spoke about saying, those who talk about the deeper things, he says, the doctrines of demons. Those who go around saying, oh, we need deeper teaching. Oh, oh we want deeper. That's, that's a doctrine of demons. 
Because this is what Jesus said. Jesus, the Son of God, the, 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 one, the Prince of Preachers who ever lived, he says, a lady lost some money. And she swept the whole house until she found it. Then when she did, she, she was happy. You know, that, that's, what, that's as deep as Jesus got. So we got, we've got to just be real. We've got to understand that sometimes people are, are talking out of, out of pride and out of, out of uh, uh, self-interest. And they say all kinds of stupid things. And it's all designed to, to uh, weaken people's faith, ruin people's experience, and lead them astray. That's the root cause of that kind of stuff. So I don't want to, I don't want to belittle that because I, I can tell you, people have told me, oh, your preaching's not very deep. I go, thanks. That's a compliment. It's a compliment. As we go into our next season, our emphasis will be to see people find Jesus and make disciples. You know, and look, I don't want to make any kind of things. When someone makes that prayer in church, to me, that's just a step. I'm not saying, hey, wait, someone said the prayer, they're saved, they're born again. You know what? I think they're just on that journey. They just made the first step. They've crossed a bridge to, to, to make a decision. Then it's up to all of us to help that person know more, grow more, find out more, give them more. So hopefully that'll make sense about our, our next season that we're entering into from right now. So hopefully you can all join me in that. Last thing, I've got 15 minutes, I think. I want to give you a leadership lesson. So I always want to use these, these nights to you know, instill some leadership principles into our church and into you. And it's really important that we grasp and, and I guess, absorb some of these things because they make the difference between whether we step into and grow up or whether we just stay the same and you know, look back in 15 and 20 years and think, well, I haven't really changed. Proverbs 20 verse 21 says this. An inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. Now, I remember early in my walk with God, grappling with the call of God, grappling with the the ministry, and watching seemingly other people, um, peers of mine, just rocket through the ranks and and like, these They've been made a pastor, they're assistant pastor, and, and, and I'm always like behind the eight ball. I'm always like, how, how come they're shooting through the ranks and, and going somewhere great? But I've watched over and over again where, where um, it broke down. Things didn't work out, and, and over and over again, many of my friends and peers would leave church, would leave ministry, and today, some of the people who I served under are no longer in church, no longer in ministry, uh, hardly would even confess Jesus whatsoever in their life. I think that's a, a terrible shame. But perhaps they received a spiritual inheritance too early in life and it wasn't a blessing in the end. So I'll tell you, I've, I've probably mentioned this story to you before, but I'll do it again. My dad had some pharmacy scales, that, like chemist scales, that were kept up in a high cupboard out of reach to children. It was right up where you had to... You know, you'd get your brother to stand on the chair and, and to balance it, and you'd climb up and reach right up and, and get these scales out so you could play with them. And uh, my brother and I, Paul, we, we excelled. Uh, we excelled ourselves at reaching this thing. We'd get it secretly. And um, Dad didn't know. We played with 
what was a, a, a valuable, fragile antique, but, but we broke the mechanism. Like, as you know, you're playing, it's like really sensitive, and you're like, ding, 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 ding. And, and we, we wrecked that, so it didn't work anymore. And then uh, we, we broke the glass, had, you know, glass doors, wooden doors. We smashed the glass, broke the doors off, and uh, had little brass weights. And I remember you'd take the brass weights and, you know, take them to school and show kids, hey, look at this. And then you'd realise, oh, heck, one's missing. You know, maybe three's missing. But, you know, we, we, would, we would play with it without any understanding of, of its value. And um, in, all, in, in all of it, we, we just destroyed it. We wrecked it. It, it. We junked it. We made it valueless. Um, and as children, there was no safe way for us to be given the chance to handle it. You know, maybe, well, I mean, I, we knew it was there because Dad showed us and was like, don't touch. Have a look only. And we're like, yeah, sure. As soon as these are not around, let's get to this thing so that we can, we can play with it. So we didn't ask, we just helped ourselves. And I want to just want to encourage you tonight, when it comes to the things of God, there are some things you just don't help yourself to. You've got to, you've got to realize the boundaries of ministry and the call of God. And there was a king in the Old Testament who thought he could burn incense because he thought, I, I can do it. I'm the king, for goodness sake. I'm the king of Israel or Judah, wherever it was. I'm the king. I can burn this incense. And and the priest followed him in and said, what are you doing? It's not your place. And we've got to realize that certain things in the, in the um, call of God in our lives, we, uh, we have to be careful what we take on because we, we, it's not a free-for-all in all these things. But you don't want to be destroying things that are fragile because you weren't ready to handle it yet. So 1 Timothy 3 verse 6 says, A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. So I've made the mistake of promoting keen new believers to positions of responsibility, given them uh, you know, great opportunities and found that they've had no regard for what they were given, that they take it for granted. They say, oh, well, you know, what's it matter? So when you need them, they're not there. They don't turn up. They're, they're, they're late to things or they're just not realising the value of what they've been entrusted with. So I'd say we don't want to be too eager to get, um, to get people's hands on things when they're not mature enough to handle it because they can do to that, uh, like that chemist scales, what my brother and myself did. But the most important attribute to exercise in your life when it comes to the call and the, the ministry of God is the word wait. It's to develop patience. And it is the way into leadership, is to be patient with things. So just because you've been serving in the church for three weeks doesn't mean that you're going to be the next assistant pastor. And some people think like that. Well, I've done this for three months. Where's my promotion? You know, God does the promoting and he does it surely and effectively. So what I can say to you is be faithful with small things. So both Moses and David were shepherds of someone else's sheep when God called them out of the sheep pens. Moses was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. David was looking after his father's sheep. They weren't even their sheep, but they looked after them well. You think David put his life on the line and says, when, whenever a bear or a lion attacks a sheep, I, he says he grabs it and he kills it. You know, as he's preparing, you know, talking to Saul about this, this giant uh, Goliath. So he's put, his, he's put his life on the line for someone else's sheep. It's pretty amazing. And, and we have to have that attitude where you say, well, I, I'm... I'm doing a, a department in the church, perhaps well, it's not my church. doesn't matter if I don't show up. 
or, or whatever attitude we might bring to it. But we've got to realize that, hey, when we, when we take something seriously and we're saying, well, that's my responsibility, I'll see that it gets done, we're taking on a lion and a bear. So be faithful with small things. So Matthew 25 verse 29 says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. So Ecclesiastes 10 verse 7, it says this interesting scripture, I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot, um, go on foot like slaves. And I'll tell you something, this is, this is a little bit you know, out there. But sometimes in church life, we allow our leaders to do things that they shouldn't be doing anymore. So this, this is where it gets a little bit tender here. It's not that it's above them. It's about the height of your future when you serve in the obscure places. So when you, when, when you see your leader, if you're a department leader, or if you're a department worker and you see your leader in your department, adopt the attitude of, hey, how can I help you? I mean, it would be great if every leader says, I've got all these people on my team coming to me saying, how can I help? What can I do? What do you need me to do? And uh, uh, don't go burning the incense when you're not supposed to. Because it says that king, whoever it was, he, 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 he was covered in leprosy. He was never allowed out in public again after that. I'm not saying God does that to us, but I'm telling you there's a, there's a, a symbolism there that find useful things to do, not just what you think is cool to do. So um, really do that. And, and I, I just was thinking about this, that we allow leaders to do things that they shouldn't be doing anymore. And I can tell you, I'll, I'll be honest, I still mow the lawn here. It's not because it's, it's below me. I just do it because no one else does. There's, there's heaps of gardening around here that I do a lot of. Why, why do I do it? I shouldn't do it. I do it because there's no one else doing it. But I want to tell you something. You don't need to have a, a guild-plated letter saying, will you therefore go and do the garden just see what needs to be done and turn up and do it in things like that you can um, but I just want to encourage you that um, it's not that anything's below me because I'll still do it anyway if I see it you beat me to it but I want to encourage you that there are things that would be released in your life when you start to serve in the things that no one else sees so can I have the musicians back with me again please I want to encourage you to pick up what others don't see. So that can mean lots of things to lots of people here. But pick up what others don't see. Pick up on what others don't value. So you might be thinking, well, no one wants to serve in this or that area. When you pick that up and you love it and you give, you give your attention to that, God will see that and God will value that. Turn up. There's, there's, a, there's a huge power in people's lives when they just turn up. There's, there's a power that is released in turning up and keep turning up. Just be there. Be in the house of God. If you're going to be in the house of God, be useful. Just say, well, I'm here. I can do something and find something to do. Even if it's just, hey, I can, I can help you know, clean in between services. I'm not on the roster. I'm not on the team. But I can do something. I can help. When you do that, you're releasing something into your future. Be early. Be around be last to go oh that's a bit that's a bit of a hard one be last to leave so Elisha was the last to leave when Elijah was leaving going to going to heaven and Elisha got the mantle because he was the last of the prophets left 
So you know the other prophets, I think three times, the groups of prophets came to Elisha and said, do you know today that your, your master is going to be taken away? They knew, but they didn't stay. And I want to tell you something, there's a power, a mantle that can drop on you, that will fall on you when you say, I'm going to be committed to the house of God. I'll be the last to leave. I'll be the one to lock the door. It's, it's the most unpopular, the most uncool thing to do to be last. But when God sees that, He sees your heart. And I, I can tell you by experience where I am today is because these are all the keys that I, that I did. I still do. But I want to tell you something, I want to see that released in your life a hundred times more. Clean up when you didn't mess up. That's another good one. Clean up when you didn't mess up. You didn't make the mess. God's not asking you who made the mess. He's saying, will you clean up the mess? Sometimes that spiritual mess. Be the one who says, well, I can can intervene there. I can help. Sometimes it's just physical mess. There's dirt around the place. Doesn't matter where it came from. Clean it up. It's these small points that your character is refined and you become a fine leader who can stay the course. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. God makes all things good in his time. God makes all things good in your life in his time. Don't give up in the wait time. In the wait is your preparation. In the wait is your perfecting. In the wait is your strengthening. 